This is Mouth Media Network. Amplify and connect. How you doing? My name is Linwood Bibbins, CEO of Reach TV. And what I love about content is the impact it has on anybody and that it impacts everybody differently. That's my single favorite thing about content. Everybody reacts differently. Every day, millions of travelers flow through airports. And while they wait for their flights, many of them consume content through the flat screen TVs in airport restaurants, bars, gateholds, concourses, newsstands, travel retail, and airline lounges. So where does the content come from and what's the business model behind it? What's more, what are the possibilities to program bite-sized TV content programmed and customized on a daily basis that connects with specific audiences, drives retail revenue, and serves operational function? Well, coming up, you'll hear the full story from one of the founders of Reach TV, the first Nielsen-rated linear short-form OTT entertainment network that's made for people on the go with the ability to get in front of 107 million travelers monthly. From New York City, you're listening to Content Is Your Business. Conversations with industry leaders and influencers covering the strategy and innovation of brand storytelling. Linwood, welcome. Fantastic to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm here today with guest host Rob Sanchez from Mouth Media and Mark Rako. Hello. Also Mouth Media. Fantastic to have us all in a room together. Welcome. Thank you. Welcome, everybody. (laughs) Can't wait. Good to see you. So to kick us off, Linwood, we've been reading your bio, obviously, in preparation for this. And I'm fascinated about how we get from entrepreneur, executive, investor, and producer to content. So fill in the gaps for us, if you would. (laughs) I think, um, one, I always grew up being an entrepreneur, which when you look back at it, it always led itself to content was the driving force. So if if somebody asked me since early 90s, I would tell you the words I would say is content drove commerce. And while I was selling computers and you're still putting together advertising and content. And then when I went to the internet, it's advertising and content. And when one of the companies called Woot.com, we were the exclusive for multiple categories and we had one deal a day and we hired Hollywood writers to, to write about an HP laptop, but it was funny. Mm-hmm. And we grew a 7 million member group that then shared it with everyone. Again, if you look at it, the simple form of that was content that drove commerce. As I went through iterations of companies I've started and sold, and and when I looked at what I was going to do next, as I went all the way back, the one key phrase has been content has always driven commerce. So I wanted to understand the how I can make content. How mm-hmm. is it delivered? How is it? What's because in the process of it? Because I always look at content one way and as as a viewer. Every single piece of content I look at is I think about as me viewing it. I don't look at it as a producer, even though I have produced mm-hmm. multiple series, but I always look at it as from the viewer standpoint. And has your definition changed over the year? Yes. What what content is, 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 is evolving. Like this is content uh-huh. that I would say the most successful show ESPN's ever put together was this. It was Mike and Mike, which is exactly what we're doing right now. Right. Um, so when you think about successful shows, I would say my favorite show ever is Law & Order. Mm-hmm. Just you just love it. I mean, they got every type of law and order. SVU has to be my favorite, but have you? I've been on SVU. <laughs> so, I mean, that's just a, a beautiful format that lends itself to watching millions of episodes and you don't care that yeah. you watch them. But if, you know, Mike and Mike was another favorite of mine. I'm just a content junkie. If you ask my favorite series, it's The Wire, you know, but I watch such diverse things. I'm just, a content junkie. So let's unpack a little bit about what Reach TV is, and mm-hmm. then I, I have a follow-up to that. And by the way, I mean, the, the funny thing is, is most of the people listening to this may have experienced Reach TV and not even realized it. I'd love to know how your preferences in content, particularly, you know, whether it be Law & Order SVU or The Wire or Mike & Mike or the influences you've had, 
how do they impact your the, the management role that you have with Reach TV and what it does? Well, first off, thank you. I'm, I'm many, my biggest compliment is when people say, I saw your network now that you, were, you know, told me what it is, but I just thought it was television because mm-hmm. that's what it is. Our network is right now, I had a co-founder, Ron Bloom. We launched the company in April of 2016. Our number one goal was, can we replicate a television station? Right, so that the idea of your your head ends and your playout systems and delivery mechanisms, can we recreate that all cloud base? Can we deliver it all cloud base? And then could we actually deliver it more like digital, but still on television screens? So that was the kind of the the challenge. So we it took us six months, two patents filed to get the tech down. And then we had to get somebody to let us try it. So we started off in like two airports in uh, November of, of 16. January 17 was our official launch into three airports. And uh, today we're in 90 uh, in U.S. and Canada. We just launched in the Virgin Atlantic lounges in the U.S. Mm-hmm. and in the U.K. So we're in Glasgow and uh, in Heathrow and as how, we speak. And how many people, do you, just to interject... How many people have you calculated that reaches over, say, a year's time in 90 Uh, airports? Well, we reach – the total travelers in our airports are a little over 130 million people a month. From our Nielsen numbers, we have over 32 million viewers per month on our network that watch our network a little little bit over an average of 37 minutes. That's pretty impressive. So so now that we understand a little bit of what your company is doing, I, I know it's far more than that. But I want to go back to the content because yes. I think that's the Thank the you. key difference between in that, why airports. One is you have a captive audience, and I take that as a responsibility, not as something that that's easy. So I look at the captive audience that's a traveler that's frustrated. We wanted to create a, a lean back experience so you can relax, have your drink, do what you want to do. And what I saw was the most lean back experience was. You know, we're all diverse. You know, I may I like sports, I like fashion, I like, you know, business. I'm on so why not create a network like that? So we wanted to set out to do the first linear television network all short form. So none of our episodes are more than twelve minutes. We do six shows per hour. So we do hundred and eight shows a day. We some are original series or episodic, some are themed, like it's national news versus music updates or fashion things. But we kind of mix it all up and we have fun. I think what happens is sometimes you put travelers and people in a box and that's not what we are anymore. We're all very diverse. So we try to say, I used to remember the water cooler theme. Yeah, Everything was like, what are we going to talk about the water cooler? Well, that still exists. So what we try to do is take that one hour that you have a viewer Instead of giving Oprah, which I love, we want to give them six shows. And those six shows could be fashion, music, business, where um, uh, Harley Reads original, and a, you know AMC behind the music of hip hop, original series. We just want you to come there. And our ultimate goal, we're not there yet. We're, we're going to keep growing and keep fighting until we get to there is to make you want to come to the airport to see what is on Reach TV. And you program regionally, presumably. Of we program. Taste, timing. Yes, uh, all that. So one of the best things about building the tech first, and you guys understand that, is we have the ability right now from my phone, from anywhere, we can program not only nationally, which every television network can do from the cloud. We can program nationally by DMA, by airport, by terminal, by location, by screen. So our ability to program specifically in, let's say, international terminal flights to Singapore, and we want to flip our entire programming grid to certain content for that, we could do that in literally five seconds. So that is the advantages of having a, a, a network built with IP delivery all in mind. Yeah. What are you thinking about in terms of interacting with an understanding of who passengers are with airlines or with the airport? So you know, for example, at that Singapore flight, mm-hmm. on this flight, there's 60% Americans mm-hmm. versus it's it's 70% Singapore natives returning back to Singapore, which is going to affect perhaps the type of content that you have based on who you know is flying on that flight. How, how far away are you from being able to program based on actually knowing who's at that gate or well, in that terminal. It's funny because sometimes what we thought is not what actually is reality, right? So for I'll give an example. I was excited talking to Singapore 
talking about rolling out into Singapore, also into different things in different languages in Latin America. You know what they want from us? Nothing that we thought. We put together this big presentation on all this different content. And they're like, no, no, no. We want exactly what you have right now. Because everybody in our country speaks English. So it's okay that you have English. It's actually more attractive for them to have that because they have everything else already. Mm-hmm. They don't need the, They don't need what you're trying to present. We already have that. Yeah, they don't want so, the experience. They get <laughs> they, home. Exactly. They, they want they, something They want something different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So all that work we put in was for not. <laughs> well, uh, <Yeah. laughs> um, so that was a, a funny thing. And, and I'll tell you another thing. If you ask, over the last three and a half years, four years now, if you say, what did I think was going to work amazing that people are like, no. One of the things I thought was that people have so many apps that nobody wanted another app. So we built our entire platform on mobile web. So if you're in an airport, you can type in reachtv.com. You can look at the screen and there's a channel number on it or a code, either one the channel number or the code you see for that specific content. You can type it into our mobile web and it pulls it directly to your phone. No app needed. We get ten to 15,000 emails a month saying, where's your app? <laughs> and, we, and no matter what we've tried, where's your app? So yes, we're building our app, but it, it's just amazing that I thought that I was really proud of that as something that it was going to be this big thing that people are going to talk about. No. So as far as that, are people taking that experience with them, or is it just the content that, like the specific content they saw that they're taking with them? Combination, right? So if they wanted to, they could take that content with them right onto the plane. You know, there's obviously connectivity issues. But the more importantly, if you think about the traveler's uh, path now has changed. So it used to be back in the day, um, not even that long ago, well, six, seven years ago, you'd go into an airport, you'd go into it. Some of the younger kids like to call it the dungeon, some restaurant that you're in a back wall and you don't see anything and you eat. Then you come out and you run to the gate, maybe grab a water before you get on your plane. Now what's happening is people are coming earlier. Yep. Not only are they coming earlier, they're going to a caviar bar. They're going to a Shake Shack. They're going to the wine bar and they're planning themselves there. Then they're, what's, in, what's in front of them because of the design is beautiful shops. You got duty-free specialty retail stores. So you're window shopping while you're eating tuna tartare and drinking Mombauer. So now what they're doing is coming, planning, then go shopping and coming back and yeah. then then go into those newsstands. So if you think about that path, you know, our opportunity to reach that customer, give them that last messaging, it's extremely important. Like our job now is to guide them along. So we work with our airports and our partners to, hey, there's a Starbucks at C123. There's a there's this right over here. So our job has now become how do we we're, I call ourselves the biggest customer service network <laughs> across 90 airports because we're helping you guide you through your travel journey. I yeah. mean, that's that's a big difference from what we thought was going to be there. So I'm fascinated about the conversation with brands that you have. I mean, this is presumably an ad-supported model. 100%. You have an access point to consumers at Airport A, for example. You understand what shops are there. Is it necessarily the brands who are on site who are most keenly interested in you or it it just runs the gamut? It's just... Well, it runs the gamut because you got to look at the audience. I had a, a buddy of mine quote, his quote, not mine, but it's a it's a, applicable, is if you don't want to reach the airport audience, you probably shouldn't be in advertising um, because this audience is the most desirable audience that you want. They're the We have like kind of four different types. You have your millennials, you have your frequent flyers, you have your uh, business travelers. As I watch everybody, I'm also seeing these the intersections of everybody is a kind of a similar interest, regardless of where you came from mm-hmm. or what you're doing. Um, when you're traveling, you want to, one, you want to take the stress out of it. Two, you are looking to see what's next because the airport's been a place where people are launching things now. Uh, I saw a quote from um, Estee Lauder the other day, and they said that if they lost a mall, they wouldn't care. If they lost a major airport, it would be a problem for their earnings. Mm-hmm. The first time in their in the history of their company. So interesting. Yeah. yeah. First time in the history of their company, travel retail is surpassed mall revenue. Yeah. Wow. That is, to me, was mind-boggling. Yeah. You know, coming from That's an old retail shift. guy, yeah. like, that to me was like, oh, wow. And if you look at the layouts of it, you know, we, we, we see brands that advertise on our network from autos to dating apps to all kinds of things because they're usually the most influential people in their peer group. If the group is 
50 people or if that group's 50,000, the people that are travelers are usually the ones that are most influential. Yeah. So, you know, you're also trying to become, you want to get with that group. And, and the other thing is for television. So television's an easy, it's a, it's a proven to be a medium that impacts people. Yeah. So we have a slide that says the uh, impact of television, the reach of outdoor and the delivery of digital, you know, so the scale of digital. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, since you, since you have the ability to adjust your programming terminal by terminal, flat screen by flat screen. How are you looking at, let's say, delivering advertising on those screens that is related to the businesses that are in that terminal or in that section of a terminal and being able to say, you know, hey, so let's say there's Neste Lauder uh, shop in, in mm-hmm. there and saying, okay, so at, in this terminal, in this wing of the terminal, all the TVs are going to run a special that right now – in this hour, if you go to Estee Lauder, there's 10% off or whatever, go now. Mm-hmm. And nobody in Terminal 6 cares about that because Estee Lauder's not in that terminal, but mm-hmm. it's in Terminal 1. We've had campaigns like that, right? So we have we've like done a Belvedere or a brand where not only do we have the impact of the person who's buying at the bar, right? So you're at the bar. Uh, the impact that we also had was at the duty-free Free shops. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a matter of... The the beauty of our playout system, it's like um, having a local TV and when you keep your local slots and then you have your regular slots that you sell your advertising. So you keep your local slots, so to speak, for your in-airport marketing partnerships and delivery and, and targeting to where you want to go. And then in, in those in the other terminals where a seller might may not be, that's where you hit them where you want them to go and get that product. Give them some information about it. Estee is one of the better brands and my wife's in fashion. So I'm so used to <laughs> seeing there are certain things that she will only buy of theirs and Clinique and all those other brands. So I think what, what they're always trying to do in, from an advertising from back in the day and still true now is you always want to be top of mind. Hmm. You know, and, and, I, and I think Rodney's a good friend of mine from Belvedere, but when I, I remember when I looked at the numbers and they weren't in the top 10 in the airport was yeah. mind-boggling to me because oh, it's one of the most memorable brands, Brad. I think when you're going to order, you, people just forgot to, to say the brand. So we, we help with that as well, you know, bringing those brands back to the forefront. It's a great vodka. You know, it's just yeah. a matter of got to tell people to remember, hey, remember Belvedere is really good. <laughs> and I think the other thing that's been really amazing for us is watching the attribution of people that when they leave the airport, what they do after they see our our advertising. Yeah. How are you tracking attribution right now? We've done a couple of campaigns. I don't know if I could say the name, but we've done a couple of campaigns with Fortune 50 companies where they've picked a third party company that does the studies on the mm-hmm. attribution. So they have the tie-ins to the loyalty memberships and all the different things. And they're tracking that for the next seven days or what have yeah. you. Being a, a tech guy and a data guy, I'm very careful about what we what we do and what we don't do. So there's great companies out there that are trusted that do it um, from cubic to place to what have you. We piggyback on that. I think one of the things that I, I want to emphasize about why we built a network in the airport. 2012, I was told about, hey, can you come to this meeting? It's about the airport, redefining airport. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I go to the meeting. Meeting was about 90 minutes in. Admittedly, I was kind of bored. I'm like, what is this? And until finally somebody goes, you know, we're just trying to figure out to fix this. Last year we did $9.9 billion. So oh, stop right there and start back over. Uh, so the top 50 airports in the U.S. did $9.9 billion in 2012, right, in revenue That's in those the airports. airport. The airport. So the top 50 <laughs> Wait, airports in this the is U.S. Not, this is not fuel. No. This is not. This is literally just what passengers spent that, in, the airport, in the airport, in the shops, in the food, all that stuff, right? In 2012, in the top 50 airports in the U.S. That's crazy. Last year, that number was $17.9 billion. See how quick that jumped? Mm-hmm. And they're projecting it to double again. So the idea of building a network inside of a yeah. economy, if I would call yeah. it, yeah. it was the most intriguing part of this. So I don't want it to get lost that every month, over a billion dollars in revenue generated in the airports we're in. So we have a, a, an immediate impact we can have on a billion dollars. We have an immediate uh, impact on what happens out, outside of it. I think that's the fun part. Like yeah. that's the fun, that's where you can really mm-hmm. play and get creative and do experiential. And we did a live event with uh, one of our partners in Chicago where we did like 
kind of submit your video. So it's all about your personality. And it was a chef thing. We had the, the lead singer from Hamilton and we had Belvedere's and wines and we just did it in the middle of the terminal in, 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 in O'Hare. So people are just coming in and there's a concert going on and there's a thing going on and NBC what? was covering it. It was it's an amazing thing because the one beautiful thing, and this is a little side note about the airport, it's the only place in the world that you can go to that at 604 you can order Bloody Mary and nobody looks at you like an alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> <laughs> and you found this out because... <laughs> I mean, I was next to him at having a mimosa, but I, I just... It's just, to me, is a it's its its own world yeah. that doesn't adhere to anything outside of it. Yeah. And and it's a, a great place. I mean, I, I hear a Tito's story all the time and I laugh because Tito's is like when they got to be the poor in the airport, it changed their whole company. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it's before I got into the airport, I didn't even know what that meant. I was like, yeah. what does that mean? Like, because people saw it, I didn't realize how much revenue was actually yeah. generated yeah. and the impact yeah. that would have. Crazy. One of our partners says we serve more people than the, than watch the Super Bowl. Yeah. So I imagine your pitch, your pitch meetings <laughs> these days are like ten minutes long. Yeah, it's, it's Super Bowl. Uh, yes or no? Do you want to be in the Super Bowl? <laughs> so put, I put Super Bowl and I put yes, no. Yeah. Check mark. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's like when you were young trying to get a, a girlfriend to go on a date. Would you go out with me? Yes or no? That's right. Oh yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> So we have spoken an awful lot about the content delivery. Let's now unpack more about the actual content creation. That's up next. Hi, my name's Rebecca Fitz. I'm from Warby Parker. Hi, I'm Chris Hansen from Ignition One. We are hosts of Retail Is Your Business. Retail Is Your Business is a weekly podcast covering the intersection of innovation, technology, and business strategy in the world of retail, online and offline, across all industries, with a focus on consumer experience. We deep dive with insiders from industry leaders to cutting edge startup founders. Crucial insights, career journeys, trends, new ideas, and the state and trajectory of the retail industry become accessible with a fun and comfortable morning radio vibe. Listen to Retail is Your Business every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Because retail is your business. Linwood, so we got a good look at some of the thought process and mechanisms to delivering the content and the thoughts behind it. But the content itself, some of it's original programming from you guys, and then some of it is what I assume would be licensed content. Can you talk a little bit about how you go about curating original content? And then also, you know, given all the possible licensable content out there, how do, how do you think about what should be licensed and what will work? And, and I imagine there must be some decisions based on the region that you're delivering this in. New York's going to be different than Texas, let's say. Can, can you... Speak to that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, uh, one of the first things we built to address that was our own studio. So mm -hmm. we have a full-on studio, seven cameras, control room. We could do live. We could do whatever we want. That was so we have the ability to create our own kind of hub, mm -hmm. you know, for producing things that we were missing. In the beginning, we were missing a lot of things, right? And so we would produce our own entertainment kind of show. And then we produce our own business show. Mm -hmm. And so my partner, Ron, was really... He was on a, um, a studio called Bite Size TV. Mm -hmm. So he's already understood how to build that studio, do it. And we built it, it's funny, in L.A., but we're at the highest point in L.A. because we're at the top of the floor, and the backdrop is the Hollywood sign. So we don't need oh, a— Come on. Yeah. We don't, we don't need a uh, green screen. No, exactly. We just got the Hollywood sign as a backdrop. You know, so, you know <laughs> even though you can do that on green screen, there's so a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It changes it up. When, when you have other execs come in and they say, can I take a picture? That's yeah, when you yeah. know you did something right, right? So as nobody comes to the studio and not taking a picture, um, ever. Um, so that was— Step one is being able to create our own and, and then also be able to do the plugs of the network. So you're watching Reach TV and Upcoming Next and all the things that a network does that you don't know that you want to know. Like I always call it the TBSing of the network because they do a great job of if you watch CBS for 30 minutes, you know everything is going to play for the rest of the day. And I think that's awesome where some people are like, oh, I love it. So that was first off what we did. 
Then it became in, we looked at every category. So our programming team said, we got to do news, we got to do music, we need to do entertaining, we need to do stuff with food, travel, uh, fashion, business. And then we just looked at best of in each category. Mm -hmm. So we said, hey, do you know this person? Do you know this person? And what's happened now over time is all those people are coming to us. So um, we're not really out looking. They're coming to us and we're really looking for what's best in class in each category. And do so, you do all the editing for them? So no, you do all the post-production? Uh, no, or, or sometimes they, uh, they already come with that. They have a team that does that. They're much bigger than us. We do co-productions, which we've done with A&E. That was actually, our, we both hired a third-party production company, which is Propagate, you know, Ben Silverman and Howard, and um, A&E, uh, Christian Murphy over there. And so we created a show called Work in the Room. It went on to A&E, and then we aired it as well. So it was uh, actually pretty cool. Um, and we have the same type of partnership now with AMC, yeah. done it with NBC, CBS. I mean, we've really been our, our kind of our way of doing, uh, growing the network and getting the quality content that we know our travelers deserve. That's the way we've been doing it. And to answer your question, it's been a really funny thing. From my days of financing film and television, one of the things that we did that kind of a secret sauce, but now it's already out of the bag, is that we created our own rights window. The rights window is an important step because obviously we don't have unlimited money. I'm not spending nine billion dollars like Netflix or or yeah. I'm not Jeff Katzenberg. Somebody's throwing me a billion dollars to run my short form uh, television <laughs> network. I mean, I'm I'm open for it if anybody wants to uh, to do it. So we had to be really smart. So we we created our own rights window, which was airport, retail, hotels, with a window that if you see it on the screen, you could take it with you. That's all in our rights window, and that's an important. Factor because when you, when I always tell people when they're starting a business is do research, and a lot of people jumped out and started buying digital rights, and they had failed networks in our same space, because the content cost was too much to support this type of a network. So for us it was getting those rights windows, and it also allowed us to have better partners because of that, because we're not competing in the same window. Yeah. So now we could have the AMC show a drive that's on a block on our network that's also on A and E at the same exact time without any conflicting of rights. Mm -hmm. How do you deal with your frequent traveler and having them not encounter just the same program running? So, you know, they're flying a different place every day and they come in different airport and it's the same program. So how do you think about in terms of cycling new yeah, programming? We day part usually every three hours. We have a, a rotation. We have a nice programming team. It's funny. While we do that much, we right now customize 128 different channels every single day across those 90 airports. We rotate that. We're changing out that cr the shows and blocks. Some are run at certain times, but our system allows us to do morning news that automatically drops off and the afternoon drops back in and the evening drops in. And then we have show blocks that have episodic that run for this. Like, let's say we run it a couple of days, but in different slots, episode two drops right in. So with technology, we've been able to automate a lot of the upgrades to the content. I'm a tra frequent traveler. I hate seeing something over and over again. <laughs> so again, go back to the beginning. As a as a viewer, we look at everything as how does it feel from from that standpoint. Um, our tech yeah. guys are techie. Uh, I'm technology enough that I know what's wrong, but I don't want to be that guy. I want to be the viewer. And so I look at our network all the time as a viewer. Sometimes I sit at the airport for six eight hours just watching what people do. Lots of Tito's. No, no. <laughs> um, I could, I'll tell you why that was important. I was sitting in Atlanta for about seven hours, and I was kind of just watching habits. And, and this was when back in middle of 2017. And what I noticed was as people were engaging with our content in multiple different places, I kept seeing people pick up their phone. It's like this constant picking up their phone. So it was yeah. like, is there a problem with the flights? Is there something we could do with the Delta or whoever airline it is to, to kind of give them some better updates? And what it was, it was really simple. I asked like four people in a row and they said, no, I just need to know what time it is. We used to keep the weather <laughs> in the corner instead of time. We had weather. So you would see what the weather is in, yeah. in there. Well, no longer do we have, we have the time because yeah. you, you need to for the weather. Now you don't have to look down <laughs> to, to figure out the time. So, Little things like that are not tech. That's viewer experience. Yeah. And you have to be in the airport to see it, yeah. you know, and to really 
experience it. Have you looked at or, or perhaps you've implemented being able to provide flight updates on the screen in some way? We have. Uh, a lot of people now have apps that give you the alerts and, and bulletins. Yeah, but then they have to look at their phone instead yes. of keeping it. I, we 100% agree. I think you, you, you have to look at – there's three different mechanisms of delivering that information. One is a system inside the airport itself, mm-hmm. which is kind of a little bit – you know, you have to challenge pulling that of data course, in. Of course, um, Then there's a way of getting it through the airline push notifications – Again, another challenge. Our system is built for APIs, so we can integrate with anything. Literally, I could probably integrate with something within 24 hours. Normally, that's how easy it is for us. Uh, But it's a matter of dealing with legacy systems and then being able to create a push-pull for us. But we are are working with it, and some people were doing it manually. Manually meaning they're pushing it from their system. Mm -hmm. We're pulling that out of that system and then bringing it to the screen. Um, So we've... We love it. But I guess depending on what airport you're in. Correct. That's a ton of extra clutter on the screen when you're trying to give well, them a nice experience. For correct. The one and hour and you don't want to run it all the time. So we have a ticker that runs across the bottom, right? So our ticker is customized. So you'll have breaking news. We'll have cool updates. Sometimes we'll do, you know, let's say it was a cool brand that wanted to d- take over the L bar. You'll see the brand go across in animation. Um, we try to make the ticker a little fun. Like, hey, you know, come back, stay tuned. Here's this. So mm-hmm. right in that, you can say this flight or this flight. Or you know, you kind of know where you are. That's the beauty of being able to be in a terminal C versus terminal B versus mm-hmm. this. You know what flights that t- t- you can go through. How do you handle like an emergency situation in an airport? Have you ever been faced that? I just flew out of Dallas yeah. right before that crazy storm hit. Um, we uh, we've been asked to yeah uh, take over that. It's an antiquated system sometimes that is needs to be updated. That has zero to do with our network. It's just mm-hmm. something I I'm, I want to do. Yeah. Right. Like that. That's something that it should be better. Yeah. Right. And and sometimes what happens is you'll get somewhere and you'll find out then that yeah. the flight is delayed. It's just a matter of I'll tell you, it's not really an airport fault. It's a it's a connectivity issue. Well, I'm thinking more like storm hits. Everybody's trapped. Can you run Holiday Inn in the moment? Oh you know, yeah, like, we can. Yeah. Oh, that that's easy. and are you doing that? Now? Yeah, we have certain places. Like I'll give you an example. We have certain. Times we have advertisers that right now, if it's under 40 degrees, we run this creative. If it's between 40 and 70, we run this. Over 70, we run this. So that goes into our system and goes across the, the mm-hmm. whole country. So in any market that's this or this or this, it, that creative yeah. runs. Mm-hmm. Chicago, wind speed exactly. over X, you run. Yeah. One of the best things about our, our network and the way we built it so it can expand and grow was we had a national brand, 10 different brands under their brand one campaign, 10 different assets, and we ran it seamlessly. Yeah. Because in, in New York, it's one brand, and in Texas, yeah. it's a different brand, and Cali's a different brand. And if you look at, there's a multiple companies like that. From uh, yeah. You take a Toyota, what do they have? The electric cars are going to sell, you know, and the SUVs mm-hmm. over here. And, you know, so when you look at it from any one of those brands, I think we thought about all that in the whole process. And it's actually better customer experience because I want to, I want you to tell me what I'm, I don't know about, you know, like I want to get informed of things that I want to, I should go shop and buy. And, um, I personally don't mind advertising when I'm in a lean back experience. I hate advertising when I'm in a kind of in my phone digging in experience. So that is my personal experience. It's why we launched on 55 inch television screens, not a mobile app. All right. So with that in mind, I'm curious, you know, one one of the things that sometimes is done, for example, is an Instagram takeover. Mm-hmm. So your channel is taken over by a brand or by an influencer or whatever it may be for the day or whatever. And, and do you think it's conceivable that given the right price tag for an hour or a day or whatever, essentially your screens in an airport or across your network could be taken over, quote unquote, by – Essentially, it's branded content or it's, or it's essentially um, all sponsored by such and such a brand or, you know, NBC wants to hit everybody in airports. So they take over the Reach TV flat screens for for a day with the, it's all NBC programming as your short form programming and you would deal with NBC, let's say. So how do you think about that both conceptually and perhaps in practice or potential practice? So. 
we look at it, we go backwards. We say, what's the best content for our viewers? Okay. Right? So we look at the viewer experience first before any money because money's going to come and advertising is going to come because you, you have the right viewers, right? If you entertain them, they'll right. stay and then you can You've got to be true with the you relationship you have with the hundred You can't violate that. You can't violate that. Gotcha. So if you violate that, you lose them. What we've done, to your point, we had a... We have 10 channels, basically, from uh, our Big Mic, which is a combination of all of our channels. We have a sports channel, a business channel, a you know, a d- lifestyle, all these different channels. Followed a little over a year ago, I was working with Bloomberg, and we got along great, and they have a brand called TikTok, which is their uh, news for the next generation. I love the way that they produced it, category, short form, born on Twitter as a 24-hour channel. It was a natural fit to hit our millennial business travels. And it also was very interesting to me how they produced. So we did a partnership with them. And in 25 of our airports, our business channel became TikTok by Bloomberg. And that was more of a partnership because I thought their brand, their their business content was great. I thought Bloomberg as a brand was on par with what we wanted to be. And it fit. And it fit. And because we weren't taking traditional Bloomberg, that wouldn't have really fit. But the TikTok fit. Because yep. it was it was news for the next generation. So we've had other opportunities like that where major corporations have come and said, hey, we take over your lifestyle channel or we'll do this. But that brand didn't feel true to us and our energy. So we said, we can do blocks for you, but not our branding off the screen. And and if you saw the TikTok screens, it says TikTok Bloomberg, a little powered by Reach TV over here. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of why we do that too is experience. Sometimes we have 10 screens four screens, five screens in one location, if they all have our Reach TV branding, even under different channel numbers, mm-hmm. sometimes a customer may think it's one. So you sometimes diversify the way you deploy it so that they feel like there's some different things going on. And your monetization comes from advertising revenue? Correct. And do you essentially rent the space that your flat screen is? How um, do you have the permission to be in there? So what happens is being a, I in always built businesses yeah. from uh, B2C, but then I always usually, to scale quickly, I was at a B2B model. So most people looked at me as a consumer-facing brand when I had uh, Pick ADW in 96. Um, but really, I had a wholesale model behind that. That was my end-user market. When I started doing a technology to scale, um, we got up to $250 million inside of less than three years. That was all B2B, even though we had a B2C model. When I looked at the airport, and you look at, other companies have been there 30 years, and you're going, well, how do you get into there, right? I looked at and asked all contract situation, how was it laid out from that meeting in 2012? And what I found out is that the screens that you see in the locations are controlled by the concessionaire partners in those airports. So what we did was we brought them a compelling thing where they were buying cable or buying satellite or buying whatever with no customization, no way of knowing what's on that screen, no way of doing any messaging. It's yeah. just a television screen. But they wanted television content and compelling content because that entertains people and gets them to stay. So we had to both be equal to, and if not better, and we had to be able to give them something they couldn't get. So we give them customized branding. We give the airport ability to get messaging. That's why we have so many different versions of it because each partner is branded on there. Yeah. So previously... Those screens were just powered really by the people working behind the bar. Changing channels, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And they were all, none of those screens knew they were there. Yeah. 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 Right? So you couldn't go to those screens. Because there's no, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So you had a television network with all these places with no way to really capture the most sought after audience. Are you now um, driving revenue back to those concessionary partners or is it still them purchasing for the content? No, think about it this way. Let's just say every time they partner with us, they save the cost of them buying okay. the cable. So it's a cost savings versus- Cost savings, yeah. yes. Yeah. And you talk about companies that have 90 airports. You're talking about, you know, we're in almost 850 locations. Yeah. So if you just did two or three or four and some locations have 17 television screens, think about- Every one yeah. of those costed them one fifty to two fifty a month. It was it was something that somebody had to d- disrupt, mm-hmm. and why not me? So yeah, <laughs> why not us? So <laughs> that was our quote all the time. Why not us? So yeah. we we did it. We were able to do it quickly, and I think that was the only way we could scale. Yeah, going through an RFP process and and trying to take over a legacy business was not going to happen at this scale. 
Um, our goal was to get be in 50 airports within 24 months. We're in 90. Coming up, you'll hear more about the human side of Linwood, and we're going to get into some personal questions. New York City is the greatest city in the world. That's just a fact. We're New Yorkers, and we'll fight you on this. We've got 8 million people and 62 million visitors a year who love our world-famous entertainment. So many dining options, you couldn't get through them in a lifetime. The breathtaking skyline. Of course, the terrible weather. The world-reviled subway system. Rats the size of your face. But it's all worth it because the city surprises you every New York minute. No one says New York minute. Okay, then a lot. (laughs) Okay, want to know the best things to do in each of the city's five boroughs? This is Only in New York by Culture Trip. This is a podcast for people who live in New York, love New York, or are traveling here to find out why everyone else does. I'm Jillian Anthony, Deputy Editorial Director at Culture Trip. And I'm Alex Shibar, Director of Experiences at Culture Trip. Culture Trip is a travel platform for the culturally curious. We inspire people to go beyond their cultural boundaries and connect with the world around them through award-winning articles, photographs, and videos with an insider local perspective. Yes, indeed. We have over 18 million unique visitors coming to the site each month and over 2 billion video views on Facebook. That's a lot of people trying to find out more about the rest of the world. If you're one of those people and you want to know more about the greatest city in the world, New York City, you've come to the right place. There are five boroughs in New York, and each one contains amazing local hidden gems that you just wouldn't find just by walking through it. And not only hidden gems, but the things that you do know very well and you need to take a closer look at. Each week, we're going to take you inside literally these boroughs to the most interesting locations and give you remarkable access in ways you've never heard before. You'll learn about things like Andy Warhol's secret parties at Grand Central, how the first house of yes burned down in a toaster fire, and whose creepy hands those are on the Swedish chef in the Museum of the Moving Image. We picked places because we think that they're worth bringing to you. These are really only in New York places. Some of them you'll know really well, like Grand Central, and others you may not know very well, like a small restaurant on Staten Island where Italian grandmothers cook. I think I'm still full from that meal. I don't think I'll ever not be full. I'll definitely always think about that lasagna. (laughs) (laughs) And Grandpa Chacha's wine. (laughs) So whoever you are, this podcast will help you discover a new New York. This is Only in New York by Culture Trip. Tune in each week wherever you get the best podcasts. Or head to theculturetrip.com slash only in New York to find every episode on our website. That's theculturetrip.com slash only in New York. See you next time on Only in New York from Culture Trip, created for the curious. Happy Happy travels. travels. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network and find prior episodes at contentisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. All right, Linwood, you travel. (laughs) It seems very evident that you must just by design. My question is, other than watching Reach TV and maybe just drinking a Bloody Mary once in a while, what do you like to do when you are traveling? Let's confine it to the airport and air travel experience. Outside of watching TV or having a drink, what makes it interesting and a good experience for Linwood? Well, when I get through TSA fast... (laughs) let's already assume in a hypothetical world that's happened no um so that's funny but that that's for me um a lot of it is i like to experience new food new places that i wouldn't go i like to shop so i'm one of the people that's just me and my wife are spending money i'm like hey let's dial that back but we like to shop you know it's a i find out new brands there i find out different things that i would probably never go so what's a magnet for you what kind of a shop is a magnet for you duty free I, I, I haven't bought. I haven't bought a cologne from a. Is your Toblerone? Or? Yeah, I haven't bought a cologne from a, a, a department store in <laughs> three years, yeah. four years. 
I, I always buy them duty free. Mm -hmm. um, my wife buys all the, the makeup because they have the whatever. I don't I can't remember what it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. She, no, she buys the one that's in the duty free in Terminal 4 on JFK and <laughs> she buys that one. Um, I know what it is. I know where it is because I, like I can go buy it. I don't know the name. And for me, it's also where I buy books. I'm a reader. Yeah. So I, I I love reading. I buy books, magazines. I'm I'm one of those guys. I'm right now. I'm, I'll read three, four books at a time and put them down, pick it up, pick it down, whatever I feel like that day. So sometimes I'm doing inspirational books versus um, something just fun. John, John Grisham's my fun, right? Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. and I got a bunch of different David Meltzer. I'm reading his book now, and so I just I just jump around a lot. And the planes are. I personally have one thing I'll say that, and I'm probably get some trouble for saying this, but. I think it's a mistake to take the screens out of the plane. Oh, me too. I, yeah. I think it's terrible. Uh, Does anybody disagree with that? I I think a lot of a lot, a lot of, of companies are doing. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's been terrible. I'm actually I'm changing who I fly with yeah. because Based of that. On, exactly. yeah, yeah. And and what I don't understand is why do they honestly think seriously? Like even if they did something and they said half the plane's got screens, half doesn't, and it's an upcharge to have a a a seat with a screen to to take care of the additional fuel and yeah. all that stuff. I would pay extra to have yeah. the screen yeah. if, the, if I wanted to fly with that airline. Yeah, yeah. I, I would I pay ten dollars <laughs> I took the lid of my laptop in the face because the guy yes, aggressively exactly. put his thing back. Like yeah. uh, it's a terrible experience. Yeah, I, I just hundred <laughs> percent. That's my one thing that if I could yeah. wave a wand, I'll yeah. tell everybody you're missing it. Yeah. Because we are so attached to so many other screens that when we get on a plane, we kind of want to disconnect for the first time. We used to yeah. all want to be connected, and now we all want to kind of disconnect. Yeah. And I traveled like cross country a lot, so for me, it's like cool part. I can watch a movie. Yeah. I yeah. Can take a little break. I can read a little bit, mm -hmm. and then there's that hour and a half where I'm like, "What am I going to do?" And I don't want to get connected because my everything is ringing up, and there's really not. And I can, if I have to look at my laptop that I'm work on. There's yeah. no disconnect or yeah. relaxation. Exactly. There are exactly. pop-up emails the whole time. It's it's just not Especially on much experience. longer flights. Like when I flew to Sydney, it, it was such a long flight. There was almost so much time I could work. There was yeah. only yeah. so much time I could rest. There was only so much time I could watch TV. I needed those yeah. varieties to, you yeah. know. And then, it, then for me, the travel experiences, I like to test out new stuff. Like I tested out a um, an app. A buddy of mine is an NBA guy. I did a Black Lane where you know it's a car service that most people don't know about yeah. based out of Australia and they and they they do the old school thing where they come into the airport with the sign and, oh, yeah. oh, and, cool. and it, yeah. but it's comparable price it's just yeah. not just market enough yet but yeah. you know, they they went the B2B route so they got a bunch of yeah. leagues that's what use Uber them. used well, to be exactly right? exactly, <laughs> exactly. Do you know um Tuvo have you ever played with no. that you should ch check it out it's T U V O yeah. it I love it because you can get like a Maybach yeah. and they'll drop it off and it's a car rental and it's cheaper than Hertz. Like I can get a nicer car for the money of a Ford Focus. Like why not? Why not? Yeah. That's, that, that, for me, that's silver car. Yeah. Silver car has been my, I've had silver car now for, oh yeah. my God. I, I should have just bought it. Like, like yeah. I had silver car and I was in CES and I was talking to a guy and he was at work for Audi. Yeah. And he goes, what are you talking about? Like he's over, he wasn't in our conversation. He was sitting over there and heard me talking about it. He goes, what are you talking about? I'm like, you don't know what it is? You're Audi. It's your cars. And I show him the Audi, <laughs> And he's like, oh. I am the VP of Audi's at a brand and all that. He's like, how do I not know this? I'm yeah, like, yeah. I don't know. So within four months, he not only flew down and met with the owners, he also bought it. Yeah. So it's now owned by Audi. Oh, that's it's, awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's a great story because I should have got a commission or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or a free Audi. Yeah. So outside of travel, what's that lean back experience? What is... Home life look like home life for me. My wife is very accomplished, so we have a we we're both really busy, which I actually think is pretty cool because when we come home, we're really both ready to just decompress and hang out. We don't really talk work; we talk fun and running around. And then, of course, my 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 son is a is in a football team at Lehigh University, so uh, during the fall, we're we're football we're a football mm -hmm. You're uh, family. <laughs> Every we haven't missed a game and four years he's the senior year of uh, college and so we have fun we tailgate we do we do fun stuff i'm a i'm a wine drinker too so i like to great wine and i think you relax with your friends at night and i try to i've tried to stop and enjoy all the process good bad or indifferent mm -hmm. and uh spend a lot of time with people 
I, I picked up a habit from my, it's funny, my, my grandfather, second grade education, but he would um, leave you little notes sometimes. So I picked up that habit where I write cards to people and notes to people and just thank them. And so I send those out. That's kind of my, my ritual I do. Yeah. Beyond that, I, I'm a, I'm more of a wee guy. I like to hang out with everybody and ask people for advice. I'm, I'm usually pretty open about it. So, But I'm also very boring now. I'm not like the guy. I used to go out when I was young. <laughs> now at like 10 o'clock, I'm asleep or I'm on the couch, barely awake, or unless there's some sports. Some sports so, what, so what is the 5 a.m. workout? 5 a.m. workout is tough. And I want to give everybody the first thing because people, are, I've been doing this for years. And I think there's a misconception that at five o'clock every morning that I jump up and excited to go to the gym. That is not the case. Yeah, <laughs> I wake up at five o'clock. I look uh, at the alarm. Challenge is getting out of bed. I'm usually not the up before yeah. the alarm because I know what's coming. So mentally, I'm up. And then when so, it goes so you're, off, you're practicing the flight part of. Flight <laughs> I'm sitting there going, "All right, I could probably squeeze it in if I do this, this. every morning." I have the same conversation, and then every morning, I go, nah, that ain't gonna work. Then I get up and go. So, yeah. but it's always a struggle. Yeah, and then I do uh, kind of my own little circuit, and then I, I I go early so I can spend the time I want to do. I stretch and all the things that older people got to do now. I got to stretch. I got to mm-hmm. sit in the steam room. I got to go in the ice bath. I, I do all that stuff every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I even do hot yoga and stuff more so when I was in Cali. But I feel like you, if you don't take care of your body or you take care of yourself, you can't help your team. Um, you can't help everybody in your family. So I'm trying to Smart. make sure that I take care of myself. 100%. Yeah. Only only time I have to do it though is five o'clock in the morning. No, 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 yeah. I'm the same. <laughs> this is the only time someone's not bothering me. Exactly. That would be really nice. My kid has been going to bed at four a.m., so five a.m. would be really rough. Yeah, right? that's yeah. rough. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, that's not gonna happen when my son was that young. That, is, that didn't happen. I yeah. was doing like the seven a.m. workout. Yeah. Um, yeah. The trick is to sneak out like yes. Navy SEAL style out the house before they know you've woken up. <laughs> But, you know, I think right now I'm just I, – I my biggest thing is telling people to enjoy the process. And yeah. I think that people have this misconception that you're always going to be successful. You're always – no, you fail. We literally fail at something every single day. We succeed at things every day, but we fail at things every day. And just embracing that process is like the message I keep trying to tell people. Like don't get caught into the Instagram post world like that everything is perfect. Yeah, the glossy facade. True. Yeah. And, and – I don't have any problem being honest. So I, I, I always say this. A lot of times you'll see if I tag something, I'll say honesty on social media, finally. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm making fun of people. Um, but, you know, that uh, I'm, I have a very simple life outside of work. Yeah. Love it. So you've talked a couple of times about decompressing. What world – you also mentioned the wire. So beyond that, like what world do you like to go into? Like what is there a type of world or is there a specific nah, just like I love content. Like yeah. I'm, a, I'm like a nut. Like when it comes to content, like if it's sports, I'm a football, basketball. Uh, I like baseball when it's the Yankees are winning. Uh, whenever, when they're not winning, I don't care. But then we. Oh, go to I'm con- the opposite, actually. I yeah. like <laughs> when the content is going. Like I just got, I watched in set, uh, Succession. I love it, right? Yeah. yeah. So I like to wire, but I even like um, a show that most people don't talk about in treatment. I think it's amazing. It was like a million episodes that nobody's watched on HBO. Um, HBO is one of my favorites, yeah. but I love billions. And mm-hmm. and so, you know, I go back to um, some of my, like, I, I don't think people want to give it credit anymore because of whatever, but House of Cards was groundbreaking, you know? And it was it was amazing to watch that. And Orange is New Black, that kind of lost me a little bit, but there's Ozark is one of my favorite shows ever. Oh, I, I mean, it's yeah. just, yeah, yeah. you know, you Great could sit show. there. Yeah, yeah. Jason Bateman, to me, is one of the most incredible actors. The, the range, really? yeah, the yeah. range yeah. of him is unbelievable to me, right? Yeah. And then seeing the comics come back seeing dave Chappelle, seeing That's eddie murphy amazing. coming back i mean netflix is killing it yes. on bringing people mm-hmm. yeah I, I just think content in general you have this war of building great content to consumer wins yeah right and once you i think the biggest the challenge is going to be right is as everybody says they're streaming 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 i would almost challenge the fact that how many houses still have cable and all the streaming because I, I i know most of the people i know have Cable and their kids have all the streaming, 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 and they use their cable to log in to watch whatever they want to watch. Yep. So I think there's some hybrid of that world, and who I think has a hybrid, which is kind of you know, just blunt, is Hulu, which is now Disney, 
So if you think about a Disney, yep. Hulu, ESPN Plus package bundles, with yeah. Netflix and you don't one really other, need anything. Else. That's you're yeah. done. You got live yeah. sports. You have your all your episodic series because they come back on there on on a VOD platform. Yeah, and then you have um, the biggest characters once they got the 20th Century Fox characters of all the characters around. So if I was betting on who's gonna end out on there, I think Netflix goes nowhere. I think it's fine. I think HBO Max could be great, and I think Disney Plus is gonna really kill it. Yeah, I was talking with somebody where you kind of choose the platform that fits your search style. Yeah. Not like the content's great everywhere now. But let me give you a, one thing that helps reach TV. All these, all this content going behind a wall, you know, so to speak, these platforms are built for destination viewing. Meaning I love House of Cards. I'm going to go watch House of Cards. They're not meant and not built for me to go there and find House of Cards. You know why I can tell you that? Ask anybody who goes to any platform. I'm not going to pick on Netflix or anybody else. Ask them the average time it takes them to figure out what they want to watch. Mm. Yep. Yeah. And no how many less times than 20. Do you give up? No, yeah. no, yeah, no <laughs> less than 20 minutes. And most of the time you just say, ah, and go back to yep. something else that you yep. already run somewhere else. Yep. You know, it's, it's so interesting. In fact, sometimes yeah, that's like 30 such minutes an investment, isn't it? You're like, oh. Well, it's interesting too because I think about these platforms. I'll use Netflix. I will use Netflix as an example. So Netflix has a lot of really amazing original program, but not all of it am I interested in, right? And despite all their algorithms and everything, mm-hmm. there's a lot of content that bubbles up that I'm like, I don't want that. Okay, but that may not be why I'm going there. Mm-hmm. So what happens is, is like you're saying, I have to wade through all the stuff that I didn't go there for. Mm-hmm. And they're accounting, I think, to some degree on you going, well, I came here to watch a 1980s movie, but look at this clever little new show. Mm-hmm. Let me check that out. That's more value. So I don't I don't know anyone that's going to something like Netflix specifically for their original programming unless it's a specific show that they know about. And so how do you, how do you change that? Well, I think what they should do, and this is what – some of the partners that are already coming to us, kind of reason why Reach is, works great. So imagine now if you came to the airport and you got to see a glimpse of those shows. Yeah. You got to get a, a sampling of a series while you're lean back. So you're just so you're so the goal is to take the discovery process yeah. and and put it into a place where yeah. you have an audience that can view it. And now that show becomes a destination view. As a destination view, there's nobody right now better than Netflix. Their platform for destination, if you go there to watch Ozark, you can click it. You can be on your mobile phone. You can so be in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a hole, and, it, and they'll find a way to get it to you. But if you go there to discover it, yeah, not so much. Right. Funnily enough, it's almost like a hotel used to be, right? Like yeah. you'd be out of your area. You'd yeah. be out of your time zone. You'd be forced to watch stuff that never would have bubbled up before. <laughs> and yeah. But I'm fascinated about how do you deal with audio? Audio is such a key component in an experience, right? You're, you're in a busy airport. You've got a massive screen. You know, subtitles just don't cut it sometimes. I don't know how well, you, you know work what? around that. I'll I, I tell you what. I'll, I'll tell you two, two things that I will go, that I will give you the answer. Because I was always wondering that myself. And one was, I was sitting next to our screens. We had, we did a deal with um, Dan Patrick, Rich Eisen, and that we do our sports updates and you know, news program in the morning. We had that on and ESPN next to us, right? ESPN's volume was on. and But think about where you are. You're in an airport in a restaurant bar. Here comes an announcement. Here comes another announcement. Here comes another announcement. And what I watched was all the people on that side of the bar looking at that screen turn their heads to try to hear. Mm-hmm. They're no longer watching anymore. Right. And then what happened is as the 20 minutes went by, they just moved over because the closed captioning is right there and they could follow the, the sports programming. Mm-hmm. They can yeah. see the, the things on there. Yeah. So the second part of that is to answer that, if you go to reachtv.com, you can type in that channel number, plug in your buds and listen to, to the entire program. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to make that a marketing push in 2020 so people know that they can do that. And then the third thing is, I will tell you a show that 97 of my friends who watched it told me I was wrong. And then they went, oh, my God, you're right. Narcos. Narcos is closed caption. It's one of my favorite shows that Netflix did. The entire series mm-hmm. is closed caption. Because you, everybody speaking all different languages, you know, yeah. going through. And a couple of my friends are like, no, it's not. I'm like, yes, it is. Go look at it. And when, when they looked at it, they're like, I just didn't. Your brain, after a while, 
You just get caught into the that captioning actually makes it easier for you to view mm -hmm. because you don't have to really pay it at you don't have to worry about it. if you have to look down at your phone, you can follow along. And and so what could be a detriment is is positive, yeah. but it also forces us to get really high quality content that makes people want to engage so they want to see that captioning. And also when we're doing something that's not like somebody we would know or or a really interesting topic. We make things that are very visual, so that you know mm -hmm. that is mm -hmm. that helps that entire experience. Yeah. But the audio question is a great question. Thank you. Thank you so much to our guest hosts, Rob. Yeah, thank you. It was yeah. a wonderful conversation, Linwood. It's great to see you again. It's always and good Mark? seeing you. Yeah, Linwood, great, great discussion. So at this point, drawing the show to a close, Linwood, do you have any final thoughts? To share with us? No, just uh, I, I'd say it was a pleasure being here today. It was great. I think we all enjoy and love content equally. And and I'm amazed by the dynamic way of it's being, content is being rearranged and delivered. I think we're in a really fascinating time that's only going to get even more fascinating with 5G and how the ex explosion of this. I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited about it. So, and then, again, thank you for having me on. Fantastic. And how can people reach you? Linwood Bibbins uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, you can email me, linwood.bibbins at reachme.tv. I'm on everything. You can follow me on Twitter. <laughs> I'm a little crazy. Um, <laughs> but I'm always, I'm always nice. But um, I'm open to meet and talking and meeting with everyone. Fantastic. So good to have you on. Thank you to our listeners. Great to have you and excited to bring you another show next week. I'm Natasha Charlton-Brown. Take care. This has been Content Is Your Business, produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2019. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network and find prior episodes at contentisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Thank you for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, the business of being heard.